So tonight we're going to go to John chapter 14, and I don't know how far into this message. It's really what I have tonight. Um, it's one message, I guess you could say, but there's so much scripture that we need to cover on this subject. Um, we're, there's no, I know we're not going to get through all of it tonight, but really, John chapter 14, 15, and 16, these three chapters, they're all kind of happening at the same time. Uh, this is all really one story that we're reading about here. And we see Jesus is revealing some things to his disciples about the Holy Spirit, about a comforter coming. And boy, as I was studying this, there are just, there are some great things in here. And I want to just share some thoughts with you tonight, some things that we ought to be thinking about. I think we do need to focus on the Holy Spirit. This morning, we talked about the return of Christ. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to seeing Jesus face to face. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that is, uh, that is fine if that's how you feel. But understand that right now, Jesus Christ is not the one on earth. We have the Holy Spirit that's here on earth. And I think we need to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. He's the one that God has left here for this time. And Jesus makes some statements in here in John chapter 14. And so we're going to read, uh, we're going to read through all of John chapter 14 tonight. And then I want to hit on a few of the other verses in chapter 15 and chapter 16 because some questions, they've always kind of risen in my mind whenever I have looked at these passages. And one of the great things about when you're a pastor and you're, you're preaching on a subject, many times when those questions come up, you know, when you, when you, before I pastored, I'd have questions come up all the time, but I didn't really see the need to find the answer right then. You know? <laughs> but, but you had the question. And so it's now whenever I have these questions, I'm wanting to preach on a subject. It was like, if I'm going to preach on this, I kind of need to know the answer on this. And you know, most of the time, if we just put in a little bit of effort... Uh, a little bit of study, meditation. Uh, you can find out these. You can find out the answers in these things. And so, some great things that I want to share with you tonight. But before we read John chapter fourteen, just a little bit of background on what's going on. This is this where we're getting ready to read right now. This is right after Jesus has had the Last Supper. We all know about the Last Supper. We all know about what went on there. And then in chapter thirteen, right after that Last Supper, in John it tells about. When Jesus went and he washed the disciples' feet, y'all remember that? How Jesus went, he washed their feet, and he told the disciples that, "Hey, I want you to do the same thing." And then Jesus told his disciples that, "I am going to be delivered in the hands of sinful men. I'm going to die, and three days later, I'm going to rise again." He has just told all this to his disciples, and they were troubled by that. They were worried about that. You know, Peter, he rebuked Jesus when he told him about this. And Jesus had told him about it before, but it was one of those things they just didn't get. And he tells them a little more plainly here. And they finally, they understand, but they don't understand. What Jesus had told them sounded really bad. And what Jesus told them, Jesus meant exactly what he said, but it was like they're thinking, no, he's not going to die. You know, this isn't the end. But they were bothered by what they had heard. They had gotten some bad news. So then in chapter 14, verse 1, He says to them, "...let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto Myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know." Okay? So remember, Jesus told them all this bad news and He's talking again, I'm going to leave. He's trying to encourage them here. 
But you're going to notice by the things that the disciples say here, they were still troubled and they were not liking what they were hearing. They're thinking, we're not ready. We don't understand some things. And then Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him and have seen him. Philip saith unto him, All right, knows Philip, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Okay, see what he said there. He's like, show us the Father. Okay, and once again, we see the disciples are kind of you can almost say uncontent. Okay, I can understand wanting to see God too. We want to see Jesus Christ, don't we? But right now we have the Holy Spirit. Here Jesus is giving them some bad news and they're saying, hey, we want to see the Father. We want to see God. And Jesus tells them, hey, if you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. But they're, they're, wanting, they're wanting more. And He says, have, and then uh, Jesus saith unto him, have, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known Me, Philip? He that hath seen Me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in Me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of Myself, but the Father that dwelleth in Me. He doeth the works. Believe Me that I am in the Father, and the Father in Me, or else believe Me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on Me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, you all see that verse here? Now, this is one I've always kind of had questions about. How can we do anything greater than Jesus? I mean, do you, did you all not read about the works that Jesus did? Has anybody in here raised anybody from the dead yet? Okay, I haven't seen that done yet. Uh, you know, healed a leper, you know, healed a crippled man. Jesus told them that I need to go to my Father. For you to be able to do these greater works, I have to go to my Father. Okay, what does that mean? Well, we'll get back to that. And so in verse 13, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be with be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Y'all see this? Jesus tells him, I'm I'm leaving but I'm not leaving you by yourself. God is going to send you another comforter. He is going to be with you. He is going to be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, and ye shall live also. Now, Jesus starts getting into some confusing terminology here. And watch the disciples. Boy, they get frustrated with this. Okay, verse 21, He that keepeth My commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth Me, and he that loveth Me shall be loved of My Father, and I will love him, and will manifest Myself to him. Judas saith unto him, not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that Thou wilt manifest Thyself unto us, and not unto the world? Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love Me, he will keep My words, and the Father will love him, 
and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the world which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. These things have I spoken unto you, being yet present with you, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it come to pass, that when it is come to pass, ye might believe. Jesus said, I'm telling you all these things ahead of time. He didn't want them to be offended. Jesus knew that it would be very troubling for them to see Him taken away and crucified and killed. He understood that. But Jesus told them all these things ahead of time so when it happened, they wouldn't be discouraged. Okay, Now, they still got pretty discouraged, didn't they? They were all... None of, you know, only John was there at the crucifixion. The rest of them were hiding. But Jesus did everything He could to try to help them. But then in verse 30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. Okay? And so we're going to stop reading there for now. But um, I, I do want to take a quick look, though, at a couple other things that Jesus said. Um, and look in chapter 15 and verse 26. It says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. And then chapter 16, verse 1, it says, These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God's service. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor Me. But these things have I told you that when the time shall come, ye may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning because I was with you. But now I go My way to Him that sent Me, and none of you asketh Me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow hath filled your heart. Okay, So right here, you know, Jesus... He's trying to he's trying to teach them something. He's trying to help them understand something. But it, I, he's like, I'm telling you these things, but sorrow has filled your heart. And then look at verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth: it is expedient for you. Okay, this is profitable for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Okay, So right here we see Jesus tells them it is profitable for you, it is good for you that I leave and I send the Comforter. Okay? Now we have the Holy Spirit today, don't we? We don't have Jesus Christ here on earth with us today, do we? And yet, we kind of get down sometimes because we just want Jesus to come. Forgetting about the fact that we do have the Holy Spirit with us. And Jesus tells him pretty plainly here, it is going to be better for me not to be here and for the Holy Spirit to be here. It's better for you. Okay? So, 
what does that mean? Why did Jesus, what did Jesus mean when He said they would do greater works than Him? Why did He need to go to the Father for them to be able to do those works? And why was it better for the Comforter to be in the world than for Jesus Himself? Now, what, what's going on here? So, the things that we, one thing, so before we kind of answer all those questions, just a few things we need to look at. We need to realize the things that we do for God, they are not our works, but it's the work of the Holy Spirit, isn't it? Okay? And think about this. We have four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that gives us three years of time where Jesus is traveling around with these twelve disciples. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's pretty clear that those disciples, they weren't the most impressive men, were they? They had a lot of pretty serious issues, didn't they? Okay? But think about it. You had Jesus himself and his twelve, the twelve apostles, and after his three year ministry, while there were multitudes, I believe, that got saved and heard, but at the end, how big was the church? 120 people, right? There was only 120 people. Think about it. Three years of Jesus Christ Himself walking the earth, walking around in Israel, and they end up with 120 people at the end of it. And we know all the credit for that goes to Jesus Christ because the disciples, they were kind of trouble. The disciples pretty probably scared more people away. People tried to bring their children to Jesus. Ah, you don't bring the children, you don't bother Jesus with the children. Jesus got mad at the disciples. You know, hey, suffer little children to come unto me. For such is the kingdom of heaven. They were always arguing about who was the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And I mean, we just—they had a lot of problems. There's no doubt about that. But think about this: in the book of Acts, what happened with that same group of 120 people when the Holy Spirit showed up? What happened? When that Comforter came, just like Jesus said would happen, you see in one day, 3,000 people get saved. You see 5,000 people get saved on another day. Multitudes that get saved after that. I mean, literally, a revival swept the whole world. Think about that. Jesus, in three years, 120 people, the disciples, thanks to the Holy Spirit. Not the disciples. We know the disciples don't get the credit for those 3,000 people that got saved. I mean, do you really think Peter, with all the problems that he had, was responsible for the 3,000 people that got saved when he preached that message? No, that was the Holy Spirit that did that work. Now, the Holy Spirit used Peter. He used those 120 people that were there that were prophesying and that were preaching in all those other languages that we see. But notice that just like Jesus said, greater works were done. And you say, well... But how you know how's that greater? You know, isn't raising somebody from the dead better? No, we've talked about this. That wasn't what Jesus came to do, was it? Everybody that Jesus ever raised from the dead died again later, didn't they? Lazarus died again later, didn't he? That was only temporary. All those people that Jesus healed of sicknesses later on, they end up getting something else and dying unless you think they're still walking the earth. It, that no, we we get all excited about stuff like that. But what Jesus really came to do was see people saved, and really compared to what the disciples saw after the Holy Spirit came, Jesus didn't see that many people get saved. In comparison, there was a lot more people that got saved, which is what Jesus really came to do. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And you know what? There are many individuals on in the world today 
who've led more than 120 people to Christ. There are churches all over America that have a lot more than 120 people in them. So think about it. More has been accomplished thanks to the Holy Spirit. Okay? Not, not thanks to us. All, I mean, it's the Holy Spirit that does the work through us. Nobody can get saved except they're drawn by the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit has got to be involved. And the Holy Spirit, He uses the Word of God. He uses us when we preach the Word of God. But we've got to be careful we're not giving ourselves the credit. It's the Holy Spirit that does, that does these things. And if we accomplish anything, it is the work of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, what, and what makes the difference? So, what makes the difference? in what one person accomplishes versus another because we know it's not the individual's abilities, do we? These disciples were not spectacular men. We see that they were unlearned men. They weren't men of great education. Guys like the Apostle Paul were, but Peter wasn't. He was a fisherman. I mean, he was not one of the more educated people, but what makes a difference and what somebody accomplishes, it's, Who's being obedient to the Holy Spirit of God? If any of us accomplish more than someone else for the cause of Christ, it is, it's not because the Holy Spirit, there's something wrong with the Holy Spirit. The problem is with us. Many times we let our flesh get in the way. We are not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. We are not obedient to the Spirit of God. We're not filled with the Spirit of God. And we end up messing things up. But if we would allow the Holy Spirit to run our lives and to rule our lives, and to be, if we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, we could do great things. You could see more than 120 people get saved. We could have a church of well over 120 people if this church would become, get under the control of the Holy Spirit. And once again, God, He gives us a free will. If the Holy Spirit is not the one running things, in our lives and in this church. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. And look, today I believe we ought to be excited about the return of Christ. But in the meantime, I think we ought, while we're waiting for Christ to return, we should be focusing on the Holy Ghost that's on the earth with us, that's inside of us. And so how do we as a church and as individuals focus on the Holy Spirit? What we see in this passage we read, he mentions in verse 21, He that hath My commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth Me, he should be loved of My Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest Myself to him. You understand that keeping the commandments of God is absolutely crucial. People all the time, because keeping of the commandments does not save a person, the Bible is very clear that keeping the commandments of God does not save you. You've got all these people trying to tell us, you know what, we don't need to worry about the commands of God. We don't need to worry about those Old Testament laws, those old commandments. Those things don't matter. No, they don't matter when it comes to whether or not you're going to go to heaven. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit manifesting Himself in your life, it has everything to do with it. We need to be keeping His commandments. Keeping the commandments, it shows whether or not you love God or not. You know, people, they, they, you can say you love God all you want. You can sing, oh, how I love Jesus at the top of your lungs. But if you're not keeping His commandments, the Bible says you don't love Him. If you love Me, keep My commandments. And then go ahead and let's go, go to chapter 15 and look what it says. It says, I am the true vine, and My Father is the husbandman. Every branch in Me that beareth not fruit 
He taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit He purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except it abide in me. Do you understand? We cannot produce anything for God unless we're connected to the vine. Okay? We, we are, He is the vine. We are the branches. Okay? And if we produce fruit, a branch by itself can't produce anything. Go cut a branch off a tree. It's not going to produce anything. It has to be connected to the vine. And anything we produce, it's going to be when we are abiding in Christ. Verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in Me and I in Him. The same bringeth forth much fruit, for without Me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in Me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If ye abide in Me and My words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. Now this isn't talking about keeping your salvation. It's like that's all people care about when they, you know, when it comes to their Christianity. What do I have to do to get into heaven? And once you, once they go through the process of getting into heaven, you know you have this person say a sinner's prayer that they probably don't mean if they have this attitude. Okay, all right, it's not of works. I'm good. I'm clear. I don't have to worry about hell. But listen, don't we? Don't you want to do something for God? Don't don't you love God? Don't you love the one who saved you? You would love the fireman that saved you from a burning building, and you don't love a God who saved you from a burning hell? Something's wrong here. And we we see here, if you love Him, you'll keep His commandments. You know what the problem is? We've got churches today that are full of people that don't love God. They don't love Him. They're not interested in keeping My commandments. They are not abiding in His love. They are in trouble with God. They are dealing with the chastening hand of the Lord. And we see here that we are to abide in His love. Why? So we can produce fruit. So we, the Father will be glorified when we produce fruit. How do we produce fruit? I believe that's winning souls. Winning people to Christ. Verse 11, "...these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, that your joy might be full." You will not be happy as a Christian. You will not have fullness of joy when you are not right with God. You will not have fullness of joy when you are not keeping His commandments. His commandments, it says in 1 John, are not grievous. But yet people today, I don't want to go to church where they preach against sin. I ought to be able to do these things. I'm still going to heaven either way. God still loves me either way. So, you know what? I don't even think we ought to talk about those things. I don't think we need to be focusing on sin and telling people they shouldn't do things. You know, that... That's not lining up with the Bible. You're, and what you're saying is not lining up with what the Bible says comes from a saved person. The Bible says if we keep His commandments, our joy will be full and you're acting like the commandments of God are going to keep you miserable and they're going to keep you from joy. No, the Bible says our joy will be full when we keep His commandments. Verse 12, This is My commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. 
Okay? Now, I'm not trying to retranslate the Bible here, but if the Bible says, ye are My friends if you do whatsoever I command you, then I think it's safe to say we are not His friends if we don't do what He commanded us. Am I, am I taking that out of context? Am I getting out of line there? I think that's just common sense, isn't it? I think that's common sense. If the Bible says it was daytime, we can say, you know what? It wasn't night. Alright, I know that's common sense. It's pretty simple, but sometimes we need that. And then look at this. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. Okay, and this is one of the areas, this is another passage too, where Calvinists end up messing things up sometimes, is people look at, they look at salvation as God picked you to be saved. God chose who gets saved and who does not get saved. No, God chose for saved people to bear fruit. God didn't choose for lost people to bear fruit. They can't. They're not, they're not abiding in the vine. They're not connected to the vine. They are not a, it's impossible for them to produce fruit. They do not have Christ. Without Christ, you can do nothing. And God has chosen that those who bear fruit are those who are saved. That was His choice. That was His plan. And if you are saved, you are one of those people God wants you to bear fruit. He ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in My name, He may give it you. These things I command you that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know it hated Me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love His own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. You know, This is a great verse that these churches that are trying to make the world love them need to remember. You know, these are the, This is a good verse for these preachers that are out there that are you know, down on other preachers that the world doesn't like. Saying, boy, they're not very Christ-like. Really? What? Because the world doesn't like them? Well, to me, if you're Christ-like, the world's not going to like you. I mean, and Jesus told them, hey, they're going to hate you, but just remember, they hated me before they hated you. The reason they hate you is because you're like me. The very Spirit of Jesus Christ is the Spirit that's in us. Therefore, we're not going to mix well. There's going to be conflict. There's going to be problems. Verse 20, Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them that had not they, uh, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin, but now they have both seen and hated both me and my Father. But this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause, but when the Comforter is come, who I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me, and ye also shall bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning." So we see here that the Holy Spirit of God, He He testifies, He spreads this to the world. Think, during Jesus' time, His message, it didn't go outside the borders of Israel, did it? I mean, it went amongst different 
villages and amongst different groups that were inside the land of Israel, but it didn't go outside outside there. It was not a it did not become a global message until the Comforter showed up. And when the Comforter showed up, that message spread like never before. And I believe that today, what we need to be doing, we've got to get focusing on the Holy Spirit. I mean, go ahead. I mean, boy, be anxious to see Christ. Be looking for the return of Christ. Like we talked about this morning, be watching, be looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing. But understand, in the meantime, let us be paying attention to who's here right now. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. The Bible says, "...and be not drunk with wine..." wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Be filled with the Spirit. And what's happening today, what I'm afraid we're doing sometimes, we're forgetting about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we can't see the Holy Spirit. We're not able to see Him and we... And we're not content with that. We want Jesus Christ to come. And because Jesus Christ is not here in the flesh, we don't, we don't worry a whole lot about what we're doing in the flesh. We don't worry about what we're doing in our life, but yet do we not believe God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one? And the Bible says His Spirit dwells in us. And so really... For us to do things in front of the Holy Spirit that we wouldn't do in front of Jesus Christ, I mean, isn't that kind of denying the Father? Oh, I wouldn't deny the Father. Oh, really? People denied Jesus saying they didn't deny the Father, and Jesus said, you know, you deny me, you deny the Father. People said they believe God, but they didn't believe Jesus. Jesus said, you don't believe me, you don't believe God. And wouldn't it be the same thing about the Holy Spirit? I mean, have you ever been somewhere and somebody kind of was trying to act like you weren't there, ignoring you? Did that make anybody feel good? No, that makes you feel terrible when that happens. Nobody wants to be ignored. We are supposed to be filled with the Spirit, and I, and we need to make sure that we are that we're sensitive to that. That we we are thinking about this all the time. We forget about it. We just we take it for granted. Sometimes when it comes to church, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody else in here, we we get so used to just going through the motions of showing up for church, singing our songs, doing our thing, even me getting up here and preaching my message, that we forget that if we're going to accomplish anything, we need the Holy Spirit. We get so caught up in the motion, going through the motions of going out and knocking on doors and trying to give people the gospel, but we forget if we're going to accomplish anything, we need the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we'll even go through the motions and we'll pray, but are we really filled with the Spirit before we do these things? I mean, really, I mean, when we you stop and think about it, let's just be honest. The Bible says, "Without me, you can do nothing." So if we are here at church. And we are not being obedient to the Holy Spirit if we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. What are we really accomplishing anything? You know, the truth is we're accomplishing nothing. We're spinning our wheels. We're wasting our time. And you know what? Maybe that's why people have just decided too that you know what? Church isn't that big of a deal. It's not that important. Who cares whether I show up or I don't show up? Nothing's being accomplished. Well, if nothing's being accomplished, it's because the Holy Spirit is not there. 
And maybe we need to get a little more focused on Him. Many times we get focused on, you know, we'll get focused on the preacher, we'll get focused on the singers, we'll get focused on other people in the church. Oh, so and so didn't show up today. Well, what we should be doing is not checking to see what people show up. Hey, the Holy Spirit show up today. Every one of us ought to be inviting Him. You know, we've been talking a lot about for our anniversary inviting people to church. Well, you know what? I think we need to see the Holy Spirit show up for church. Because once again, greater things can be done than what Jesus Christ did with the work of the Holy Spirit. And many times we do we get so caught up in the commandments, all right, for example, like the Great Commission, soul winning and all those things. And listen, I'm not trying to take away from those things at all. But really we can do we could we could bump up our soul winning efforts to ten hours a week. You know, as individuals we spend ten hours a week soul winning. But if we're doing that in our flesh you realize we're not going to accomplish hardly anything. Well, we've accomplished some stuff. If you invite enough people, even without the Holy Spirit, you're going to get a few visitors. Okay, I mean, it's you're you're going to do that. But think about this. You know, I don't know about you. I like to work smart instead of working hard. We've all heard that before, right? So, what if we started working smarter and started focusing not on what are we doing? You know, what are our efforts? How much time are we soulening? How much time are we reading our Bible? But just getting the Holy Spirit, putting the Holy Spirit in charge of life, He could accomplish so much more. He could He could do so much more. Have you ever seen? Have you ever tried to do a job with the wrong kind of tool that just it just didn't work right, and then you got a good tool, one that worked good, and you. I just I bought a new weed eater the other day. My weed eater was a piece of junk. It didn't work right. It took forever to weed eat anything. We went and got a good one. Got I quit getting the cheap Walmart junk. I went and bought a nice brand. And man, I can accomplish so much with that thing. I'm thankful that I I can do so much more with that good quality tool. And you know we can do a lot of stuff in our own efforts, and we can accomplish some things. But if we have the Holy Spirit, we could accomplish infinitely more. With less effort. I'm not telling you this so we can be lazy and still see great things happen. But I'm just saying that, you know, there's no sense in us wasting our time and spinning our wheels and accomplishing nothing. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23. I'll I'll close with this. We're not going to get to John uh, 16 tonight, but go to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 23. It says that ye put off concerning, or verse 20, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, uh, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. You hear that? Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Then it goes on and tells us more stuff we shouldn't do. 
And then it tells us more stuff that we should do. Be kind to one another. Tender heart, forgiving one another. And so, I mean, so think about this. We've been, we're just getting ready to celebrate our fifth anniversary here at Liberty Baptist Church. Last week we talked about, you know, moving on, taking the next step forward in our Christian lives. You know, faith ought to be an easy thing for us at, the, at this point in our life. We ought to be ready for that. We ought to be to the point now where we believe what the Bible says. That we believe the promises of God. And I think, you know, I figured out, I'm not trying to be humble right now, okay? Y'all know I, I like to be arrogant and conceited and you know, have fun with that kind of thing, but I'm, I'm not trying to be humble right now. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I figured out after five years of pastoring, I am not the cat's meow, I guess is one way to put it, you know. I, I am not, I don't have that many abilities, you know. I, I, I have. I, I've, I've looked and it's like, Lord, why do you, why do you even try with me? <laughs> I know you called me here, but did you know what you were doing? <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, well, there's a lot of people who could do it a lot better. I don't have a whole lot of abilities, but it's very. We know in the Bible that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Don't we know that? Don't we? So, if we really want to see something accomplished, it is crystal clear. It's not going to be, you know, we're not going to change things here in town, you know, if we can get Jesus Himself to show up. Okay? When Jesus Christ shows up in this world, it's going to be to take us out of here and then pour His wrath out on this world. So, right now, if we want to make a difference, we have to have the Holy Spirit, don't we? We have to use the Holy Spirit. We've got to get connected to the Holy Spirit of God. And it is very clear we only scratch the surface when it comes to the Scripture on this, the way that we get involved in the Holy Spirit, the way we're filled with the Holy Spirit is by being obedient to the commandments of God. We have to obey God's Word. We have to start doing right. It is not going to be about if we can get everybody to start showing up for church. That's not what's going to make the difference. It's not going to be when we get enough people showing up for soul winning. That's not going to make the difference. I hope everybody comes to church. Hope everybody goes soul winning. But you know what's going to really make the difference? That's going to really get us to start accomplishing things and really making a difference around here. It's when every one of us, every day, in your in your private time, when you're by yourself, are following the Holy Spirit and you're doing right. When you're when you're when you're listening, when you're if you're listening to rock music all week and your radio when you're by yourself, I don't care. I don't care how much you show up for church and how much you show up for soul winning. You've grieved the Holy Spirit of God. If you're, if you're listening to all that junk, I mean, watching all that filth on TV, you can show up for church, you can show up for soul winning, but you're not going to accomplish anything. And we're going to look in one of the coming weeks on really just how sensitive the Holy Spirit is. He is he's very sensitive. And just like there's people sometimes that are sensitive, if you don't treat them right, they're not coming back. <laughs> you know, they're 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 going to leave. You know, the Holy Spirit's the same way. We can run him out of here real fast if we're not careful. And we really need to every day of our lives, every moment of our lives, we need to be re- realizing and remembering that the Holy Spirit is in us. That the Holy Spirit, He is of Christ. He is He is of God. He is what is here with us right now, and we want to please Him. We don't want to grieve Him because I want I want to see great works. We can't see the Holy Spirit, but the Bible says that He will manifest 
Himself in us, we can start seeing the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And boy, when you see that, that is, that's exciting, isn't it? That is exciting when you see the Holy Spirit doing a work. And I want to see it. I really do. I want to see Him do a work. And so I, I think we need to renew our focus on the Holy Spirit of God not just here in our church services. I think we need to have the right kind of music and be doing all the right kind of things. You know, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in our service. But I'm telling all of you, when you go home this week, you need to be focused on the Holy Ghost of God. You need to be sensitive, be paying attention to Him. And if you do, I promise you, God is going to bless this church. He is going to manifest Himself. We will be able to see Him do a work. I'm ready to see it. I hope you are too. So let's all stand together. That's about nice clothes. Focusing on the Holy Spirit of God.